2: up, Dolphins and welcome into the Friday, January the 11th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, just 9 days after being fired by Miami, Adam Gase is back in the AFC East. The Dolphins coaching search hones in on two candidates and we have a special interview with Jess Haney of InsideTheStar.com to talk about one of those candidates and how he created a dominant defense in Dallas, talking, of course, about Chris Richard. Plus, where does Miami have to go to draft Kyler Murray? And we'll finish this thing up with the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that... I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL, Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the LockedOn Network. And last but not least, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts like the LockedOn Heat podcast and On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a busy, busy Friday show planned for you guys. Let's go ahead and get going.
0: That's another Miami Dolphins.
2: Can we just talk for a minute about how great Wednesday was as a whole? Just how great the day was, both from a Dolphins perspective and as a Dolphins enemy perspective. With Adam Gaze being hired to the New York Jets and Kyler Murray, like I told you, officially declaring to hang up the baseball spikes and choose to play football in the National Football League, he will be a part of of the 2019 NFL Draft, and we'll get to Kyler Murray in the third segment, but I do want to spend a quick minute here on the Adam Gase hire because he's going to the Jets, and just the way it was perceived by the media and fans and everybody alike was so negative that the Jets are going to have a tough time with all this backlash coming their way. The reports were that they offered Matt Rule a, a chance at the job, the Baylor head coach, but he wanted to bring on his own staff like every other coach in the world. But the Jets wanted to put his staff around him for him, and he told them to basically go fuck themselves. So they go back to their second option in Adam Gaze. And the best way to encompass the feeling of New York about that hire is the back page of the New York Post, which reads, Adam's apple, Jets turn to fish failure for head coaching position. So that was fantastic to see on the Move the Sticks podcast on Thursday. Daniel Jeremiah asked his co-host, Bucky Brooks, to go ahead and grade each of the new coaching hires, and they started with Adam Gase, and all Bucky Brooks said was, ugh, gave him the gross sound. So that was fun to hear. Kyle Fahey, a friend of the podcast, he's a Turn On the Jets podcast host. He said it was the worst move in NFL history. He's a little bit of a victim to hyperbole at times, but nonetheless, that was funny to hear. So just seeing all this negative reaction and having Adam Gase still in the division, Pretty hilarious, pretty great to me. I think it probably means the Dolphins get a primetime game against the Jets, most likely a Thursday game because no one cares about these two teams besides us. So that'll be our obligatory primetime game, I imagine, at home against the New York Jets would be my assumption. And at the very least, we get this rivalry reignited somewhat because it's been dead for a couple of years, basically since the Rex Ryan years. And both these teams are being, you know, both being terrible has made it that way. So I'm excited about the opportunity for the Dolphins and Jets rivalry to crank right back up. All right, guys, I want to step away from the mic for a moment because we have a really cool soundbite here for you guys. It's about 14 minutes. We're going to play it through. It's an interview from Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast. He had Jess Haney of insidethestar.com, a Cowboys writer, regarding the head coaching candidate, Chris Richard. So without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to my buddy, Scott.
1: Thanks, Travis. So, as you just heard, my name is Scott Mason, and I'm the host of the Play Like a Jet podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes or anywhere else where podcasts can be downloaded. Cheap plug, on the turnonthejets.com digital network. So you may be thinking to yourself, why are you listening to a Jets fan on Locked on Dolphins? Here's why. Chris Richard was one of the candidates for the New York Jets head coaching job, and so I wanted to get a better feel for what Chris Richard was all about. So I went out and talked to guys from Dallas and Seattle, However, the Jets ended up hiring Adam Gase, your former coach. You know, I'm not super pleased with it. I'm sure you guys are laughing, which is fine. I understand I would be if the shoe was on the other foot. But Travis has always been nice enough to come on my show whenever I want to talk Dolphins. And so I thought since I had prepared these interviews about Chris Richard, and he's a leading candidate now for the Dolphins job, it might be interesting for a Dolphins fan to hear all about Chris Richard and get a feel for what he might bring to the table if he gets the Dolphins job. So, that being said, we're going to start... With his Dallas days and work backwards, we'll do Seattle tomorrow. I'm going to do that with Jess Haney, who is a staff writer for Inside the Star. He's one of the best Dallas writers out there and really has his finger on the pulse of what's going on around the team, and so he knows plenty about what Chris Burchard brought to the table this year for the Cowboys. Jess, thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh,
0: no problem. Great to be here.
1: So, Jess, let's talk about this. Chris Burchard comes into this team for the 2018 season. What was the situation surrounding the Cowboys defense at the time, and what were the thoughts of the fan base and the media when Richard was hired?
0: Well, uh, last year, um, this was sort of the reverse from previous seasons in Dallas. The defense was the strength of the team in 2017. You know, Demarcus Lawrence had his big breakout year. Uh, we had some young players really starting to step up um, and in the secondary, and then when Chris Achar got fired uh, by the Seahawks, um, the Cowboys. It was kind of a surprise that they were able to land him for a uh, position coach spot. It was. I mean, I'm, I think a lot of people figured he would become a defensive coordinator somewhere else, but he accepted the role as defensive backs coach in Dallas. But as you mentioned, uh, that role has really been a lot more in practice than in title because he has been. Uh, calling the defensive plays all season. So he, he has pretty much been the defensive coordinator without the title, and Rod Melaneri has been serving in more of a advisory role most of the season.
1: Tell me a little bit about what Richard has brought to this defense as far as energy, as far as strategy. What has the Cowboys' defense looked like under Chris Richard?
0: It's been a great season uh, for the Cowboys' defense as far as uh, building on last year. Now, a big part of that was adding uh, Leighton Vanderash with our first round pick, who's arguably, you know, he, if it wasn't for Darius Leonard in Indianapolis, we might be talking about him as uh rookie of the year uh, for defense. And then, um, you know, you also had Jalen Smith finally really coming into his role um, that they've been waiting for. So, you know, it's, you know, some of it is talent arriving and blossoming the way you had hoped. But there's, there's a definite energy. Uh, there's a, a real sense of camaraderie. Um, the, the team has, the defensive players have, have given themselves a nickname of the hot boys <laughs> this season. They're all over social media with it. Uh, there's a, there's just a real energetic dynamic with the team. And if you've ever seen Chris Richard on the sideline, um, is the source of that energy, it seems
2: like. So we're going to pick this interview back up on the other side of the podcast. But first, a couple of words. Here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast, your host, as always, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL and the show at Locked on Fins. Rolling back in into the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast here on the first segment you guys heard Jess Haney with Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast from InsideTheStar.com talking about Chris Richard and what he was as a defensive coordinator and play caller for the Dallas Cowboys, the de facto defensive coordinator as you guys heard it on that last segment. Let's go ahead and pick it up right where we left
1: off. What's he been like as a defensive play caller? Has he been overly aggressive somewhere in between?
0: I would say uh, pretty much in between. Dallas is not what I would consider a blitz-heavy team. Um, in fact, when I do see a linebacker blitzing, I'm, I, I notice it because it doesn't happen that often. Uh, we we still employ a lot of that, um, you know, the, the uh, trademark cover two concepts of Rod Marinelli. You see our linebackers out in coverage a lot. Um, you see a lot. You see a lot of. Um, Man to man in the secondary. That I think is something that, that Richard brought because Marinelli's corners more did zone in the past, but we've seen guys doing more, um, up close press, man to man coverage. Byron Jones, uh, has really blossomed this year, going back to corner, playing in that role, being more like one of the, um, old Seahawks defensive backs used to be. So Richard really helped Byron Jones become a pro bowler and then he's had a good effect overall.
1: So the reputation that he has as a guy who's very strong with the secondary, obviously doing great work with the Legion of Boom in Seattle, and then as you just mentioned, sort of bringing the whole nickname gimmick to the defense here with the Cowboys, he's done wonders with that Cowboys secondary
0: as well. For the most part, I mean, we've had um, you know Byron Jones. He's went to the pro, you know it's a first round pick who just got to his first Pro Bowl the year that Richard shows up. There's got to be something to that. Um, we you know should, we've had. Adobeouser who was our second round pick in 2017. He had a good rookie season he was kind of struggling early on but as the years gone on he's gotten going uh, he's been better. Um, we have a, a sixth round pick in Xavier Woods who's become a dynamic safety for us He's no you know Earl Thomas but he's solid uh, and he's and for a sixth round pick you'd take that any day.
1: What do players around the team seem to think about Chris Richard? Is he very well liked?
0: I mean, you've never heard a bad word about him. And, and I've heard a lot of guys who, um, you know, just talk about his, his energy. Um, that, that seems to be the prevailing thing. You know, they still give Marinelli a lot of credit for the X's and O's and the coaching, um, but uh, they, they're always complimentary of Richard's energy uh, and motivation that he brings to the group. And that, you know, if you're talking about a guy as the head coaching candidate, that's almost the more important thing. Um you know, you have coordinators for X's and O's, but it, you know this guy seems to really have a way of leading and motivating players. And uh, if you're looking at him as the next head coach, that's a positive.
1: So, if you were leading a team in need of a head coach, you think he'd be a strong candidate?
0: I don't know, a- and I say that um, I know that may sound a little surprising <laughs> after what I just said. But you know, I go back to to Mike Singletary. He had all the bluster. He had all the 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 great. Um, lines and uh, talking points and you know, he's a great interview but there's also a time where if a guy is too much fire has too much fire players start to tune him out so I don't know about Chris Richard's balance in that area of course you know I'm not there every day I don't I don't know what he's like day in day out but at least for one year he's had a good effect in Dallas now how that effect would be year after year after year and in a head coaching role, it's hard to say. And, you know, the fact that he, you know, coming out of Seattle, you know, he had, he was the defensive coordinator there for three years and the team was, you know, so successful during most of that time um, and yet he never got picked off as a head coach during that point. You know, he had a year that his defense was number one in the NFL when he was in Seattle and nobody came and scooped him up as a head coach. So, you may have, you may wonder what's up with that.
1: Let me ask you about his fit with the coaching staff. How does he seem to work with Marinelli and with Jason Garrett? Because Garrett has been the head coach there in Dallas for a long time, so he's pretty entrenched. Rod Marinelli has been around the league forever, so obviously there's a level of respect and gravitas there. Does he seem to work well with that crew?
0: Yeah, that, that part, I, I would say, seems to go very well. Uh, there hasn't been any sense of friction in the coaching staff, if anything. Uh, Marinelli was very glowing about Richard in talking about uh, their working relationship and how that transition of him becoming the unofficial defensive coordinator. I mean, Marinelli had no problem, I mean, even basically admitting that that was the case. Um, And so that says that they must get along really well. And And it seems to have gone very well in execution. So, yeah, I'd say that's positive.
1: Last person I want to know about as far as Richard's relationship with the organization is Jerry Jones. What does Jerry think of Chris Richard?
0: Well, so far, uh, Jerry Jones has uh, had nothing but great things to say about Richard. And when recently asked about, um, you know, Richard's possible leaving as a head coaching candidate to other teams, Jerry said that he will do what he has to do to keep him. Um, and if you don't know this about the Cowboys, staff, I mean all a lot of our assistant coaches are some of the highest paid at their positions throughout the league and Jerry does that to try and keep them in place. Our scouting director makes as much as most general managers in the league. So if Rashard once is willing to stay and if the price is right, Jerry will do what he has to do. So that might be tough for some teams as far as trying to get him out of Dallas.
1: Something for any owner to consider. If you want Chris Richard, you're going to have to pay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't want to get into a bidding war with Jerry Jen. That's probably one of the truest things in all the NFL.
1: I'm about to date myself here, but if you ever watch the show Coach, you know that's the truth because he was willing to give up a couple of oil wells and cattle ranches to get the number one pick from the Orlando Breakers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do I do vaguely remember that. <laughs>
1: Jess, as much as I'd love to sit here and discuss ninety sitcoms with you, let's get back to Chris Richard's relationship with the players. As far as player development, we talked about the secondary. Are there other players at other positions on the defense that have really seemed to blossom under Chris Richard? Uh,
0: yeah, we've had quite a few guys this year. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the linebackers. Uh, Jalen Smith always had the raw talent. Um, you know, you were just waiting for him to get healthy again, but he's had a breakout season. Uh, Vander Esch was supposed to be kind of a raw talent as a rookie, and yet he was one of the best linebackers in football this year uh, by many different grades. And you've had uh, players in the secondary that I already mentioned. Uh, Randy Gregory had his first productive year in a long time. Of course, that may have had to do more with his personal issues, but nevertheless, there's just signs across the board. Player growth. Also, in the defensive line, uh, you know, we've got a couple of really unknown guys like Antoine Woods uh, who have stepped up big this year.
1: Let me ask you about Gregory because you brought him up. Does Richard seem to have a reputation for being able to really work well with guys like Randy Gregory who might be a little bit troubled? This year, I mean, you only
0: have one year of evidence, and it's hard to say how much of the effect with uh, Gregory has anything to do with Richard or not. But, I mean, it's, it's Gregory's best year in the NFL by far. Um, and that could have more to do with his personal growth and development, or it could be that he's you know, got a coach that can uh, communicate with him better now. Uh, I would say that if you, if you really need evidence that Richard knows how to deal with a, a problematic player, just look at um, the Legion of Boom and Richard Sherman and some of those guys that were in Seattle. He seems to know how to communicate with guys who other coaches might struggle with.
2: So it's me again, Travis, and there you have that interview. And I don't know man, I know there's been a lot of reports lately about the possibility of Brian Flores and the fact that they might be leaning that way, but it's it seems so obvious just to make this happen, go get Chris Richard, he's a superstar. You were supposed to be this job that was not desirable, and you're right here in this position to go get one of the best guys that was available, one of the best guys in terms of the future and the upside as far as a coach can go in that realm. Dolphins, just don't fuck this up. Make Chris Richard the next coach. Get it done. Make it happen. That's it. On the next side of the podcast, we're going to finish up yesterday's Twitter mailbag and talk a little bit about who else? Kyler motherfucking Murray. We'll do that next on Locked On Dolphins Podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Over the last 24 hours since I put it out, but you guys are fantastic, as always, giving me so much content to talk about here on the show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm not going to be able to get to all of these. We'll get to a few of them. Let's start with Dolphin's Voice, at Fan's Voice. We all seem to know what Miami wants from their next head coach, but what exactly do they not want in their next head coach? I think they want somebody that can come in and have a certain mentality that's different than the ones they've had in the past. Obviously, Joe Philbin was too queasy, for lack of a better term, and just not really that strong of a leader. And then you go to Adam Gase, who has that bravado, but it was false bravado. They want somebody with a clear and concise message and that has the ability to communicate that with his players and to truly lead these guys like a true leader because I don't think Adam Gase was that. And I certainly know that Joe Philbin was not that. The last leader they really had was Tony Sperano and he had his own warts and his coaching game and everything, rest in peace, Tony. But just someone... Honestly, just like Chris Richard, he looks like the perfect candidate to me. I hope they don't mess that up. I'm scrolling up the questions here, and I see there are several about the coaching staff Richard could bring in along with him. I covered that on yesterday's podcast. I do not know yet. We'll have plenty more information for you guys on that next week on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I'll skip all those questions. And this one here comes in from Ocean Jackson at Ocean underscore Jackson. What's going on, man? Good to see you on the Twitter mailbag. Does any candidate realistically keep Rizzi if he isn't the guy or does Rizzi go for sure if he's not hired? Look, Darren Rizzi's got it made. I mean, special teams coach you don't really get a lot of the stress that the other coaches do as far as a lot of the blame and backlash he gets to live in south florida he makes a great paycheck and a great salary he's well respected people love him down here if i was him i wouldn't leave he's not a head coach anywhere else he's not going to make an improvement over special teams that's the top of his of his profession really you can't go become an offensive coordinator the way you know a, a quarterbacks coach could so I don't see why he would leave. I hope the candidate we bring in wants to keep Darren Rizzi and realizes what he has done because that to me shows me the ability to, to, to be able to make yourself flexible and to adapt to things that can happen to you. And that's a good omen for Sundays and of course in the fall and the winter when the football season actually happens. So the ability to, to see what Darren Rizzi can bring to your team and not have to bring in your own guy, that would be a, pl- a plus for me from Chris Richard, Brian Flores, whoever it is. So I hope that's what happens. Next question here comes from John Langjun. He is at Jay JayLangJund. I don't know very much about DC candidates for head coach, but are any 3-4 minded? If so, do you see Miami switching to a 3-4? Last time was not a booming success, if I recall correctly. The two candidates right now, Flores and Richard, both run 4-3s, th- uh, so that idea is probably out the window. If it's someone else that's a head coach, like Eric Bieniemy, it'll obviously depend on who his DC is, but I think most likely, and with the way the personnel on this roster is, I imagine the Dolphins stick with the 4-3. It's probably just a little bit easier to convert that way than it would be to rebuild it for a four for a three, four rather. Okay. We still have plenty of questions talking about the possibility of Kyler Murray and offensive coordinators and other coaches. We'll skip all those and we'll get to one more question here. And I'm seeing a question from somebody that does not follow me on Twitter. So if you don't follow me, not going to get your question because I assume you don't listen to the podcast. So just putting that out there. Last one here comes from Mark Manor. He is at Easterly one. Can someone explain why Jim Schwartz isn't being considered for the head coach? I would assume it's because the stint in Detroit went so poorly and he was such for lack of a better term asshole to everybody that he was around, kind of in the same way Adam Gaze was. He knows defense but his personality can rub folks the wrong way. You're right, Mark, he's a fantastic defensive coach, but I think that would be my answer because I don't I don't know. I don't I don't have I don't rub elbows with these guys, but that would be what I would assume is the case that he's just not very easy to get along with. So that's going to wrap up the Twitter mailbag here in the third segment. I want to move on here to a topic that you guys know I was burning a hole in my wallet. I got to talk about my guy, Kyler Murray, officially declaring for the NFL draft. And the Move This Sticks podcast on Thursday was talking about You know, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah have plenty of friends in the industry that are currently in the NFL, and a lot of the scouts and executives they talked to said that he is absolutely going to go in the first round. Even some of the teams that said he might not be what they're looking for, but they can see that he's a playmaker and he's going to make a nice market for himself in that first round. And that got me to thinking about how much would it cost or where would the Dolphins have to go to trade up to get Kyler Murray? Because it's going to have to be in a trade up. You do have that obstacle with the very first pick in the draft in the Arizona Cardinals. They do have Josh Rosen, but then again, there is Cliff Kingsbury there talking about his affinity for Kyler Murray. I think that's not going to happen. I think Steve Keim, the GM that's there in Arizona, was the one that went up to draft Josh Rosen, and I think that they're going to keep him around because they would get pennies on the dollar for that investment that they already paid more to go up and get Rosen. And the reason Kingsbury was hired was to come in and bring the most out of Josh Rosen, so I think that he stays there. And then you have the 49ers and the New York Jets will not be in the quarterback market. And then number four with the Oakland Raiders, They are going to go with Derek Carr. That's what John Gruden wants to do. He played better down the stretch in 2018. I think that that's a great spot the Dolphins can look at to make their first jump. The fifth pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That could be a spot, too, because now it sounds like Bruce Arians is committed to Jameis Winston, so that 4-5 to range, I think, is where the Dolphins should put their aiming point for Kyler Murray. Now, obviously, other teams can jump up there and get ahead of them and kind of make that whole thing irrelevant, so it might have to be a draft-day thing they have to do, but to get that high from 13 to 4 or 5 would probably cost... It's going to cost this year's first. It's going to cost next year's first. It's going to cost next year's second. It might cost you this year's second or this year's third. So plan on spending four premium picks on that guy. And premium picks as in two first rounders, a second and a third rounder would be my assumption to get up that high. If they're lucky and he falls beyond Haskins, which I highly doubt happens, I think this process is going to get people turned on to what Kyler Murray actually is. And I'll show you guys some amazing clips of why he is the absolute man in an article I'm going to write with some film breakdowns coming out over the weekend, possibly on Monday. We will see about that. But Kyler Murray into the NFL draft. Step one, now complete. Step two, Dolphins got to go get him. And of course, the biggest step above all that, go get Chris Richard and let's get this thing going. Let's get back into contention for the AFC East because frankly, if they make those two moves, a guy, me, who was pretty down on the 2019 Dolphins, I'll be right back in, baby. Chris Richard, Kyler Murray, make it happen. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this week's podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL, follow the show at Locked Fins, keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday for a playoff recap, hopefully a coaching recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.